0: Bhakti So today is the disappearance day of Srila Bhakti Raksakri Dev Goswami Maharaj. So we have a short discussion and I want to begin that discussion with brief reading which serves as a introduction to Pujjapāda Bhakti Rakti Śrīla Devāsāmi maharaj from in the Divine Grace Se Bhakti Vedānta sami Prabhupāda this is taken from a lecture given by Śrīla Prabhupāda in Sridham Mayapur Chandraya Mandir in the assembly of many many hundreds of his disciples at the Gorpunim festival time, occasion in which Gujapata Sridhar Maharaj was, been invited and was present, and the two of them sat together on Prabhupada's Vyasasana. You may be familiar with the, with the picture. So Prabhupada spoke. First part of this reading is from that, and then it's as if in one piece, it was spoken in one piece, but it's not. It turns to some of the things that, other things that Prabhupada said about Bhujhupada Margin conversations and letters. It's brief, but I think it's a fitting piece to read from, as, an, as I say, as a way of introduction to His Divine Grace. Prabhupada said, We are very fortunate to hear His Divine Grace, Om Vishnupad, Paramahamsa, Paribhraja Kacharja Bhaktidak Maharaj. By age and experience, in both ways, he is senior to me. I was fortunate to have his association since a long time, perhaps 1930. At that time he was, he had not accepted sannyas, but had just left home. He went to preach in Allahabad. And on that auspicious occasion, we were connected. Srinamaj lived in my house for many years, so naturally we had very intimate talks. He had such high realizations of Krishna that one would faint to hear them. He is always my good advisor, and I took his advice very seriously, because in the beginning I knew that he was a pure devotee of Krishna. So I wanted to associate with him. Krishna and Prabhupada, Srila Siddhanta, liked him to prepare me. Our relationship was very intimate. After the breakdown of our spiritual master's institution, I wanted to organize another institution, making Sridha Maharaj the head. The book Bukti the Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur told me that Sridhar is one of the finest preachers of Krishna consciousness in the world, so I wanted to take him everywhere. This was my earnest desire, but since he could not go around the world and preach, at least people of the world should come to hear from him. For spiritual advancement in life, we must go to someone who is actually practicing spiritual life. So if one is actually serious to take instructions from a siksha guru or Instructing spiritual master, I can refer him to one who is most highly competent of all my god brothers. This is B.R. Sridhar Maharaj. I consider Sridhar Maharaj to be even my Shiksha Guru, or to speak of the benefit that others can have from this association. So, I remember the day of Srila Maharaj's passing. I was in San Francisco at the time when the news was given to me. It was in a summer month, August this time, 1988. At that time, I had been outside of ISKCON for about three or four years and serving, preaching under the inspiration of Bhakti Sri Goswami Maharaj who had been preaching to primarily Śrīla Prabhupāda's disciples since 1978, really, formally. After Prabhupāda left in 1977, in November, the leading disciples of Śrīla Prabhupāda went to Śrīla Mahārāj for advice as they had been advised to do by Śrīla Prabhupāda. As many of you know, I've mentioned a number of times before Prabhupada's passing, I was fortunate to be attending personally to his body and, and massaging his lotus feet as he lie, um, physically somewhat in, uh, rather incapacitated, but spiritually uh, alert. And at that time, he suggested that after his departure, uh, we could speak to, he said, Piyashita Maharaj of Navadri for philosophy. So it was because of that suggestion but the senior members, as I mentioned, after Prabhupada's passing, in the early first quarter of nineteen seventy eight, they went to Sridhar Marsh and discussed with him about discipline, succession and questions related to the passing of the acharya and carrying on and so forth. And so it was from that time Sridhar Marsh became the counselor of ISCON and and really a good spiritual advisor, Shiksha Guru, although after some time, by the 1982, the leading members of the society divorced themselves from his excellent Shiksha. And so there was turmoil, and I found my way out of that and into his good company. And as I say, I was preaching under his inspiration, in San Francisco at the time of his passing, 1988. He passed from the world in the same month that Prabhupada appeared. And he appeared in the same month that Prabhupada disappeared. You can make a lot out of small things like this, but (laughs) it may not be so small this was our experience of the dynamic nature of the ongoing manifestation of the phenomenon of divine dispensation known as guru tattva with Prabhupada's disappearance sridhar appeared and in the during the appearance the presence of Prabhupada sridhar marsh was disappeared he was very much keeping himself in the background well, Prabhupada's campaign was like the sun, lighting up the world with the Gauravani Pracharani, preaching the message, the words of Lord Goranga, Sriramara sat in the background, the effulgent, no, no doubt, but like the moon. And with the setting of the sun of Srila Prabhupada, then he came out. Prabhupada, if there was anything that he said that was repeatedly with regard to succession that had a very dynamic and spiritual ring to it that put aside all other formal considerations, it was that um, we should seek a self-effulgent, a charge, in other words, a charger will make himself known. And he will be self-effulgent. We haven't got to shine a light and, and of our own intellect to understand that he will make himself known. This is mentioned in what Gopal Tapani. He's the witness of the intelligence uh, as the Guru. It tells us that the Guru makes his appearance of his own accord, self effulgent. We shall not go shall not go and find him simply by rational arguments and looking and questioning and, and so forth. This is a very good example. Sridhar used to like to say, if you try to go there to the higher side with intelligence alone, then you'll be repelled. Rather than getting close, you'll be you'll be rejected altogether. The way of going is different. The medium is faith, and so similarly, to find the representative of Krishna in the world, and simply to simply go and with one's intelligence and look and scrutinize and if there's any defect that I can... Surely you'll find so many with that type of approach. No, that will not be the right way. He will make himself known. And to whom? To those who are who are truly interested and sincere and earnest in their pursuit. And so, like the moon is uh, amongst stars, so uh, effulgent, lighting up the night, the dark night of Prabhupada's Disappearance, the brilliant moon, cooling and soothing moon of Sridhar appeared in our life. So, with Prabhupada's disappearance, he appeared. And during his appearance, Prabhupada's appearance, and he he, he was disappeared. He was in the shadows, keeping in the background. And Prabhupada, as he said here, his Guru Maharaj, Saraswati encouraged him to bring Sridharmarsh out of the shadows. But... This was his nature to stay in in the background. Actually, it was a good quality. No, no uh, sign of any pratishtha desire to be in the front, to be glorified, and so forth. So, on this day, his disappearance in the year of 1988, summertime. This is the the new moon day. Shirdar Mars used to like to make something out of out of that uh... he disappeared on the new moon so moon is very uh... in a negative position there. and he liked to keep himself as i say in the background and in a negative he used to say in a negative way we will measure our advancement in spiritual life who's moving to the background rather than pushing himself forward moving to the background not to do nothing but to serve there in the background to serve be the servant of the servant to do the needful this kind of thing this brings us nearer so he liked to say as I mentioned that spiritual life will be measured in a negative way those who say they know Brahman they don't know Brahman those who say I don't know Brahman they know something about Brahman who's unknown and unknowable saying that he used to like the quote which really originally came from the philosopher can't, unknown and unknowable. But still, if he wants to make himself known to some extent, he, he can. He doesn't know himself completely, growing, complete, full, but but uh, increasing at the same time. So, might very much personified this uh, kind of approach to spiritual life, backwards approach, keeping himself in the background, although he was very, very qualified and very, very competent. He joined the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur at uh, about 41 years of age. He, he was born one year, Prabhupada senior to me in age, that's one year. Prabhupada was born in 19, 1896, and Sridhar appeared in 1895. And in 1926, he officially and formally joined the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur saraswati in the early 40s, maybe 41 years old. After a well-reasoned approach, he was born in a family of shaktas, although his mother had some inclination towards Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Vaishnavism. His father was very much opposed towards it. Chaitanya Vaishnavism was not very respectable in those days and uh, we've heard about this in relation to Bhakti you know Thakur's preaching and the reforms of Bhakti Siddhanta Siddhi Thakur and so forth I've heard some people take exception to this say that Vaishnavism was actually flourishing at this time and this is all just Mutt propaganda and so forth but then we have the personal um, witness of Sri Marsh who said his father as a sh- Brahmin respectable High Brahmin Bhattacharja family in Hapaniya, which is in Goda the area of the circle of Mahaprabhu, the Dham, who was high birth and, as a Brahmin uh, in Goda Mandala. And his father hated Godiya Vaishnavism. Why? Because. It was perceived by educated and pious people of the time that if you if you didn't didn't have a caste or if you were a low born and misbehaved type of person, in order to get some dignity in the society, you'd you'd say you were a follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who did extend his, the reach of his divine dispensation beyond consideration of caste and so forth, calling in, in, in the outcast Takuharidas his. Nama Charja and accepting Rup and Sananthan who had been ostracized largely, socially speaking, from the uh, Hindu society due to their involvement with Nawab Hussain and his government and so forth. Which, of course, it should be mentioned as a footnote here, they undertook that service out of compassion for the Hindu society. Because Nawab Hussain was so attracted to the young Rup and Sananthan. I mean, their qualities were so extraordinary that he wanted them in their group. He told them, if you don't join me and work for me, then I'll wreak havoc on the Hindu community here and, and uh Ramkeli and just around the area. So, so still the society rejected them. But Mahabrabhu accepted them, embraced them, and made them leaders of his sect, leading authors. and took his his teaching, his being, his the experience of Chaitanya Mahabrabhu and and to turn it into uh, literature and made it accessible and so forth. So Mahaprabhu, like this, extended his uh, mercy beyond uh, consideration of birth and qualities and so forth and so on. doesn't mean that we should not try to improve our character. Mahaprabhu's movement is very much for improving one's character, morally and ultimately spiritually. But at the time... It's apparent from this kind of first-hand witness, and Prabhupada was also first-hand witness to this. He said, oh, his father used to have so many sadhus, Gaudiya people come over and so forth and and smoke and sit around and chat, and, and he would not consider them very seriously. So the idea of going to hear from a Gaudiya sadhu, which was recommended to him by one of his His friends, when Bhakti Saddam Thakur was in Calcutta, was not very attractive to him. I've seen so many of those people, Gaudiya people, even though he was Mm a Gaudiya Vaishnava. And and, uh, it it looked like maybe Gandhi's movement had more dignity and character and so forth uh, comparatively, which wasn't even a spiritual movement. So this was the condition of Gaudiya Vaishnavism at the time. Sridhar father hated the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And although his mother had some affinity, he was a very, uh, again, born in a respectable family, Sridhar Marj, about the Charja family, and had very good character. He did mention in some uh, talks that he gave about himself that one of his earliest memories was the Sankirtan party of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and insisting, to his father as just an infant making an, enough noise that he had to go there, had to go there. His father reluctantly took him to hear the sankirtan Other than that, it took some time before his interest in Gaudiya Vaishnavism would come to the come to the foreground. He had a strong tendency towards religion as in a Brahmin family and education and morality and so forth. He was born under the same... Star as Ram, and uh, who was very moral and and who upheld uh, principles of uh, morality and Dharma at great, great sacrifice. And he was very attracted to that life of sacrificing. And this, in fact, made him a little bit disinterested in Krishna, the enjoyer. I wrote a little bit on the Tatva Vivek the other day, some of you may have read. On the Gaur Nagar thread, and how the astrological charts or the stars under which Krishna was born and that of Mahabru were quite different, although the same person. If we study them, then it's apparent Gaur is not a Nagar. They're not a lover of of many many women. Although he that same Krishna, Krishna's chart is very different. It shows that there will be infidelity and. Uh, <laughs> and so many things. Just, just from this asterism, Rohini indicates a, a person of material opulence and sensual enjoyment and, and so forth and, and many other things, which very much, of course, is what Krishna's like. So Mabu is that same Krishna, but in a different mood and for the purpose of shedding light on what that sensuality of Krishna is. It's like the brilliant sun compared to the darkest night of sense gratification. Kamendriya that is one thing, and Krishna-indriya-priti, that is another thing. The desire to make bancha, the desire to satisfy one's own senses is like the darkest night, and the desire to satisfy the senses of Krishna, that is like the brightest sun. Although on the surface they appear similar. It's so difficult to understand Krishna. Here's an example. Puchipaj Sridhar born in a Brahman family, father hated gaudiya Vaishnavas. And although he didn't develop the same hatred towards them, he had even little little interest. Still, the idea of worshiping Krishna was not very attracted to him. Krishna appeared overtly as an enjoyer; it's difficult to understand him. But then gradually he came in touch with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's actual teaching. And there he found in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu such measure of sacrifice, the sannyas and. And uh, and all very attractive to him, and going and preaching for the benefit of the people and and then the conception of Radha. You cannot talk about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without Radha. This is again an uh, some important point with regard to Gauranaga Mahaprabhu is Mahabhav Rasaraj Dui Ekuru, the two in one form. Rasaraj is Krishna, the supreme enjoyer, the king of Rasa king of enjoyment. And Radharani is Mahabhav, the mahabhav Swarupani, the very form, the personification of the highest love. So you have rasa and prema, Krishna and Radha. And Krishna is the enjoying side, and Rasa is the sacrificing, giving side of the one absolute truth, appearing as two. The two again become one. And what is the becoming one? That Krishna becomes imbued with the mood and effulgence of Radha. So if we to take that out, extract that from her, from him, what do we have left? We have Rasaraj, but not Gore. We have Krishna. So, we don't see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in that way. And neither does the authorized biographies of him by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami and so hearing in about Chaitanya Mahabhu From these type of um, hunts, uh, charges, Of uh, followers of Chaitanya Mahabhu Then Siddha Maharaj hearing about Radharani And her sacrifice and compassion and so forth He became attracted to Krishna Leela Through this side, eventually And then Attracted to, to Radha Govinda and the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he began to look for some good guidance in this regard, and ultimately he came, of course, across the Gaudiya and still it took some time before he joined. He didn't just jump in. So he was well-reasoned, thoughtful, heard from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, heard from his leading devotees and so forth, considered his worldly situation one thing after another after another. If you look at it and see, Krishna made arrangement for his father to die, his mother to die, his wife to die. In fact, he was just, just married and visiting the moth and thinking my father's died and uh, he wanted me you to know, marry and, and, uh, here I am married, and this is really the only thing that's in my in the way of my joining. If my wife died, I could join. The thought came in his head, he came home that night, and she was she had died. So <laughs> there he was with two younger brothers and uh, his mother, and he thought, well, they could take care of her; it wouldn't be a big loss. And then, from the powerful preaching of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, he joined in 19. 19- uh, 26, so he was 41 when he joined. And in 1930, he took sannyas. And uh, I think his name was, his birth name Ramindra Bhattacharja, and I think the initiation name given to him was Ramananda. And then he was given the name Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar, his sannyas name by Bhakti Santarashti was in 19. 30, as I say it was mentioned here by Prabhupada that they met before that it must have been just prior to that because Prabhupada mentions about 1930 and um, and the son, uh, the Sanyama's name was very uh, given by Bhakti Siddhanta shortly thereafter was very appropriate and he named him in two ways after the famous Sridhar Swami directly his name is Sridhar and Sridhar Swami's name of He the famous commentator in Bhagavatam that Mahaprabhu appreciated so much. And, uh, also Jiva Goswami writes somewhere about Sridhar Maharaj. He calls him Bhakti Rakshak. So, as Jiva Goswami referred to ancient Sridhar Swami as Bhakti Rakshak, so this title was given also to Sridhar Maharaj. Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Maharaj. So, means the protector of Bhakti. So we came to see that, of course, very much in our own lives after Prabhupada left, how he was protecting the the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that had been given to Prabhupada's disciples who were at the time all over the world and representing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it it seemed to us very prophetic and very uh, befitting. I believe even within the mission of Bhaktisiddhanta before his passing, it was... He he had done some things along those lines, protecting the Siddhanta, bringing up points, noticing some mistakes in publications at, when, in which the uh, his God-brothers had done and so forth. So, as Prabhupada mentions here, and, as these, and this brief uh, description of his life makes clear he was a very, very qualified devotee. And we are all very fortunate to be in a mission, to have started a mission, in my case, and to be in a mission, uh, that has uh, started with his encouragement and blessing. I like to think of him, as I've mentioned before, and I think it's quite appropriate, as the kind of original Siksha Guru for all of Prophet's disciples. It would be hard to imagine a greater, a better fit, as mentioned here, Prabhupada. Um, And he lived together for a number of years. After the breakup of Godiamat, Prabhupada had some quarters in uh, Calcutta, and he gave one room to Sridhar Maharaj. And I think for six years, Sridhar Maharaj lived there and did some preaching out of there. His successor, Gwenda Maharaj, also spent much time there. And Prabhupada's idea was that he was a householder at the time, so he was trying to facilitate Sridhar Maharaj's preaching. And Prabhupada was a bit of an organizer, so... As he mentioned, he had an idea to start a mission with Sridhar at The head with Sridhar was moving in another direction. And eventually, in 1942, he established his moth in Navadvip. So he would have been about 56 at that time, which is my age. And he said at that time he started his heart service, his bhajan life. He remained there. He did preach widely under the direction of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur uh, during his presence, but with the breakup of Gaudiya Math and, and so forth, then uh, he, he, he did some preaching but turned in this direction ultimately. And it was difficult for Prabhupada to fulfill the aspiration of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur expressed to him to, to bring Śrīla Maharaj out. See how he tried giving him a house, in Calcutta, facilitating him for preaching, talking about starting a mission, I'll organize it, you be in the Acharya, and so forth. And, well, Sridharma was a little ambivalent and, and not so eager to be in the, in the front. And, he went to Vrindavan, he got a Govardhan Sheila there, he came to Navadvip, asked permission of Nityananda Prabhu for domiciled in Nabadweep, started his mock. And although Nitinanda Prabhu told him, yeah, you, you want my mercy, but you don't give yours to anybody, because people had been asking for initiation still, he worked a compromise with Nitananda Prabhu. All right, I'll stay there. If nice people come, I won't turn them away, but I don't, won't go running after people to collect them up. So there he sat, as I say, kind of in the background, and disappeared, and Prabhupada was like in the foreground, going everywhere. Still, on occasion, Prabhupada would try to bring him out, write a letter to him, visit him, Prabhupada took his disciples to Sridhar Math moth, the day of Sridhar appearance, first group of disciples in India, telling them that today we will learn how to observe the Guru Puja. So he took them to Sridhar moth for that purpose. And uh, there they also met a to Krishna Das. Prabhupada would like to stay there often. And um, there they heard, Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada. And they had been calling a... There were so they asked if they could also sing like that and, and Prabhupada of course gave them permission to glorify him in that, in that way. So he learned much. Uh, he had opportunity to learn much on that, that day, I should say. And so he tried to, uh, on a number of occasions, to bring him out and uh, involve him in his mission, but Sridharmarsh's nature was it was quite different, and he had started, as I say, in 19, as early as his, in 1942, long before Prabhupada was preaching in the West, his heart service, so, I mean, his budget life, so. Uh, he was kind of retired from the preaching for 40, 30 years. And then Prabhupada came along and tried to get him to preach again. <laughs> and, of course, uh, he was successful, ultimately, by... Uh, recommending that we go to him if there are any questions after his disappearance, which started the flow of his disciples towards Sridhar Maharaj, and then started the flow of Sridhar Maharaj's divine insights and so forth, which correspond with the intensity of the necessity of Prabhupada's disciples. He himself was amazed at the measure of their interest and sincerity, and uh, he was very happy that it was bringing so many things out of him, stories from the past and remembering the histories gone by of Gaudiya some six, 70, 80 years ago, and uh, sharing those uh, things that he had been relishing within for many years. And again, he liked to point out that the necessity, which is a kind of a negative thing, you need something, of... Prophet's disciples was was the real wealth that they had that Prabhupada created in this kind of necessity because it then was the necessary part of the equation required for drawing something down. He used to thank us sometimes for drawing down by our intensity of interest the things that came out in his talks, which are, of course eventually have been published and so forth and are circulating widely. So. Prabhupada was successful, ultimately. You cannot deny him that he fulfilled every, every ambition of his Guru mars that was directly expressed to him. No. We should not leave this one out if we want to glorify Prabhupada. He is the one. He is responsible for Sridhar Maharaj preaching all over the world. No one else. No. Well, Ultimately, he, his disciples, the extension of himself, he is responsible. He started the whole thing. He opened the door. And in what context did he do so? Based on his own experience, his own affinity for Sridhar Maharaj, his many years of living with him, his sense that Sridhar Maharaj prepared him to come to the West by during the time that they lived together, discussing Bhagavad Gita and other things regularly, hearing the preaching of Sridhar Maharaj and so forth. And so this... Aspiration, expectation, desire, indicated to Prabhupada by Siddhanta Sastri Gakravya. You know, he didn't have a lot of personal associations, so whatever few things he said to him, he took very seriously. So this is one of them. You should try to bring him out for preaching. So he tried and tried, and in the end, then he made a statement to his disciples that would ultimately bring Sridhar out in such a, a big way. At the very end, practically, of this manifest in 1978, and then he left in 1988, so for 10 years. And then, since that time now, the Shaitanya Sarasota Mahatanda and the Vaktisundara Vinda is all over the world. And they have so, so many of these books and the talks of Sridhar Maharaj have been read by so many. And really, in effect, he is the original, as I say, uh, sikshya guru. The, the term Siksha guru didn't really have much significance for us. It's become such a big word, isn't it? In the Godia International Community, Sikshu Guru has become such a big word. It didn't really have any, any meaning in, in it that it was a theoretical reality and, and why would there be any need for, anyway, Dikshu Guru, Shikshu Guru and using these, these terms, it was, probably was our Guru, period. And, uh, so it was a word in the vocabulary and it had a meaning and, and so forth, an application in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya, his, amongst his eternal associates, and so forth. We find that Das came in, under the direction of Rup and Sanatana. They were his sikhya gurus, and so many examples are there. But it didn't really have any practical meaning for us until Prabhupada passed and Śrīdara came to the, to the foreground. And even then, to figure out, this is what it means, this is what it is. He's a, this is This particular manifestation of the Absolute, the Siksha Guru principle. Not everyone could catch it. But over time it's become such an, practically speaking, become so important. And he was the original figure who appeared self-effulgent, as I say, on his, on his own. It means Krishna pushing him into the, into the foreground. For those who had you know, eyes to see and ears to hear as the uh, uh, original Adi Siksha Guru for Particularly for Prabhupada's disciples and all of the followers in his uh, lineages coming from his divine grace, S.E.B. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And instructions are so, are so soothing and so deep and valuable mm-hmm. based on so many years of experience both in preaching and bhajan and deep knowledge of the scripture. Another title given to him by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was Shastranipuna scriptural genius so he had a way of putting the verses together and so forth it was very charming and insightful and um, it had the power to like explode your smaller conception of krishna consciousness exploded into something that is bigger than this that has more meanings than this it's not black and white it's it's gray and and um Those who were able to take advantage of this, I believe, are the most fortunate of Prabhupada's disciples. And I think that there's a fair amount of objectivity to that. Now, of course, it's become fashionable to have a Siksha guru and so forth. And In those days, it was, as that was proclaimed, Sridhar Maharaj is my Siksha guru, that was a very undesirable, uh, it was thought, a very inappropriate conception. So just see how, how much in need uh, we were of Bhakti Rakshak to protect us from such misconceptions that the concept of a Siksha Guru would somehow be something unchaste and inappropriate and against the Siddhanta and a an deviation and so forth. And now it seems so silly. It's such a prominent conception. So again, this testament uh, is a testament to the necessity of such a person. So Krishna makes the, uh, such arrangement. We haven't got to be too worried. We have to be sincere and dedicated, simple and um, uh, honest with personal integrity. Krishna will make all arrangements to send us good guidance. We had that personal experience. And so for a few years I had the good company of Pujapad Sridhar and under his auspicious inspiration. I asked him one day, what can I do? What service can I render? He said, You know everything. Sami has told you everything. You should go and start a preaching mission. I'll be in the background. You can come and ask questions and so forth. So with that advice then we went forward and here we are today. a um, very much um, an example of the combined influence of these two. So I've spoken a little bit about Sridhar Maharaj, and it's inevitable that we speak about Prabhupada. At the same time, these two are very much intertwined, as I began with the appearance of Srila Prabhupada, Sridhar Maharaj, who was, came before him and was senior to him in the moth, and was even his Siksha guru, prepared him to come to the West and so forth. I mean, that's pretty substantial. With his appearance... As an Acharya, Prabhupada, Sridharmur just receded to the background. Let him do everything. He will go and do. And with Prabhupada's disappearance, he came to the foreground. Naturally, by the transcendental system, so to speak. And so it takes Sukriti. It takes sincerity. It takes Sharanagati, shadana to understand these kind of movements uh, that are backed by the Absolute. So you consider consider yourself fortunate to be under his guidance. not everybody could could catch that, even though even not everybody is, is, has enough integrity to admit it today, even after having read his books and benefited from them immensely and uh, appreciate them and so forth and so they are reluctant to give him his due. This is not good, this is not auspicious, not a good sign you know, we should we should rather. Trumpet his glories and, uh, herald them the world over. I said to him once that you are like Mahabro said when he came back to Bengal and thousands and thousands of people were following him everywhere. And he came out of Vidyavachaspati's house and he stood on the balcony and all the people said, Jai Sundar, Jai Sundar, Glories of the beautiful golden one. And he turned to Srivastava and said, What are they saying? Chanting about me like this. And, and Shiva uh, Stakwa said, You are like the sun who, after having arisen, tried to hide himself. Go back out there, accept it. I told Srivastava, you, to you like to push in the background so much, but you've pushed so far in the background. Like, Push off stage. You go in one wing. If you keep pushing backwards, you come out the other stage. You know, backside turn. Everybody's there. Yes, (laughs) I said you are like that. Hmm. You've appeared. Don't try to hide yourself. But it's our duty, our pleasure, our good fortune to have the service of of making known the significance of his uh, contribution through the modern Vodhi world and the continuation of the Bhaktivinoda Parivara. It's very substantial. It's very different from Prabhupada's contribution, but no less in, in, in substance and significance. And this, uh, again, takes some dynamic thinking, some security, some some spiritual piety to understand. The Lord will move different devotees in different ways to accomplish His purpose. And their glory is that they conform to his purpose. Prabhupada was so different, outgoing, wide in his preaching, and, and so forth. And uh, general in his presentation of the teachings, chant and be happy, just get people going, something like that. Like Nityananda Prabhu's preaching. Sridhar Maharaj's preaching like, like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was more precise when he did preach. Like the Prakasanda Saraswati, the teaching he gave to Sanatana, and Rupa Goswami, very precise and detailed, so forth. So the two of them are a good, uh, very much a good fit. It's mentioned in the, for us, it's mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Nadi Lila, the fourth chapter where Krishna Vaskavira sings the glories of Nityananda Prabhu. And then he, he says, I have a secret to tell, I shouldn't tell it. It's more secret than the Vedas, but if I don't tell it, then what? the glory of my master will not be known. He told the story of how he got the shelter of Nityananda Prabhu and how getting that shelter, he got the entrance to Vrindavan, and there the shelter of Madan Mohan and all the leading devotees, and was thus commissioned to write the book, Chaitanya Charitamrita. And in relating that story, he speaks about his own family and how his brother had affinity for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he did not appreciate Nityananda Prabhu. And there he called it half-hand logic. I think you know the half-hand logic, right? And... Um, so it applies here to, to accept Prabhupada but not accept Sridhar Maharaj is like a half-hand logic. If you take the whole composite of what came to Prabhupada's disciples, Prabhupada and all that he instituted and, and Sridhar Maharaj, and again, this was one of the desires that Bhaktisiddhanta expressed to Prabhupada to bring Sridhar Maharaj out. So he's responsible. We should say he did it. He fulfilled this desire of Bhakti Bhaktisiddhanta's. So he didn't neglect this. Whatever a few things was told to him, him directly by Vakasanta, he took it like his life and soul. He had great Guru and he made it happen. So he made it happen. He's responsible. You should be very clear on this, and you should be very bold to tell anyone who has any question or who, who, who has any other opinion. There is no other opinion on this. Prabhupada brought him to the whole, gave him to the whole world. He brought the whole Western world to, the, to his veranda. He tried to bring him out, but he was too old and and infirmed. Prabhupada was still physically fit, comparatively, traveling all over the world. Sridharmash could hardly walk off his veranda, and he was 80 90% blind. And Prabhupada didn't give up. Sridharmash used to like to say, yeah, Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta told him to bring me out and see. Now he, he finally did it. <laughs> he was such a good friend, he said, that he's brought me out like this. In the end, by bringing everyone to his to his doorstep. He tried to get him to to lead a mission. He tried to get him to participate in his world mission. He tried to get him just to come across the Ganges and live in Mayapur. And I'll build a house for you there. He said, they're building a house for me. I'll make one for you. We'll make a lift so that you can go upstairs very easily, an elevator. You have nothing to do. Just sit and talk to my disciples from all over the world when they come. The personally expressed this desire to him. I mean, mean, who can hear these things and think other than what a glorious person Shira Marsh was and what an affectionate relationship the two of them had? And Shira Marsh hesitated, thinking, what? Why will I put him to the trouble of building a house for me, take me across the river when he, I'm going to pass away any minute, I'm so old, and look at how infirm I am. He's fit, he's traveling all over the world, he probably lived to be 108. Why should I put him through his trouble and his disciples through the trouble and expense of building some house for me over there and so forth? And then i will just pass away before it's finished. Uh, I don't want to trouble them in that way. And and anyway, he's uh, doing his campaign like the sun. What does he need from me? How can I help? What way will I be? This is his negative kind of thinking about himself. So he tried to make him ahead of the mission. He tried to take him around the world. He tried to bring him across the river even. The Marsh was resisting, but in the end, he brought him out anyway. He said, "Okay, don't move. I will tell you what, I'll bring everybody to you. How's that?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They all came, and when they all came, so many came. He said, "I think you need a place of your own." He told us, "I have a small mission here, going on for so many years." So he with money that was brought to him by Prabhupada's disciples, he bought some land down the road. He called it Land of Nectar. He said, you could all start something there. Worship Prabhupada. They do everything like you're used to doing. And, uh, you know, come here and and, uh, take advice and so forth. And then he told different individuals, you cannot stay here. You have to go and do something. Start a mission. Preach and so forth. He sent us out. So he never wanted to take any position. But it's our position, to establish what his position actually is in the Gaudiya community. I mean, it really as Everyone feels indebted to Iskana. Everyone feels indebted to Srila Prabhupada and brought them all to Krishna consciousness and so forth. And, and, and new people that have come after Prabhupada's disappearance, they all attribute the to Prabhupada. But, but um, if they look carefully, they'll see that invariably, however much some of Prabhupada's disciples tried to keep Sridharmarsh's influence out, it has seeped in everywhere, gone everywhere. It's in everywhere in this gone, things that he said. And they're, they're saying them like Shakti like, Vesha about. I think it was Yajibar. Marsh, who was a very close friend of Sridharmarsh who first said that about Sridharmarsh. And then Sridharmarsh said it. Sridharmarsh gave a lecture on it at the time of Prabhupada's disappearance. And that's what really made it known. And uh, and the disciples just grabbed onto that. I tell you frankly, they never would have said that. They never would have said, Prabhupada Shakti Avatar. They would have thought, maybe this is my lot or something like that. How you know, can we say that about him? If any god brother had said, ah, oh, we consider Prabhupada Shakti Veshavatar, this was, wait a minute, what's the siddhanta Let's get the Shastrik, you know, committee out here, and let's have a year's worth of meetings about this. And so, but Shidamar said it was immediately taken. So. He had a natural authority, really. He just said it, and everybody except, yes. Oh, yeah, wow, Siddha said it. Well, it wasn't until later that then they went against for personal reasons and so forth. But in the beginning, it was a natural authority, and the door opened to him, to, to going to him by Srila Prabhupada himself. And so they closed the door, but still he came out underneath the door, and went everywhere, like Mahaprabhu would go underneath the door of the... Gambira and Puri and find himself outside, even though the devotees try to keep him inside. So you can't keep Krishna consciousness down. It just comes out. It just, no matter where it is, in whatever devotee, if it's in the most humble devotee who's just a, a, a gardener and not a big preacher, it, it will come out. It will, be, it will be taken advantage of. So it has its own agenda it appears in a certain devotee and it has a purpose of its own a mission, of way it will express itself and so forth. And it will express itself and it has. And his Krishna consciousness, and I remember reading Sri Gurnas Grace for the first time, and then I thought, what he saying here, everybody has to come to deal with, to grips with, to embrace, to accept what's being said here. And they're all rejecting him, but these words, which are him, they have to accept this, this Krishna consciousness, Gaudiya Siddhanta, and very eloquently. Presented and so forth. And we see it. They've come to accept it all. Without, unfortunately, in many instances, without attributing it to from whom it came. So that's our, some service. We look at them like that, such person. They give us some service. They know better, but they've left it for us to do. So we should take advantage of that. Opportunity. And the opportunity does arise, especially in speaking with other devotees more so than with the with the general public so be sure on this be convinced about this and all of you should read the books of Sridhar Maharaj very carefully so with that I close and ask any questions yes
1: in the Prabhupada Lilamrita, it is uh, explained how when Prabhupada was sick I think in 69 or something Mukunda went to him and asked him that, that if he pass away then then who should we turn to? And it said that Prabhupada wasn't happy with that question, but that he did give a name. But the name isn't given in in the Lilamrita. I was wondering because I, I know when I read that I always thought that, that probably he would have said Sridan Maharaj, but I don't know.
0: How do you know he gave a name?
1: It said in, in the Lilamrita that he, he 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 mentioned a name but then he said that anyway um, you shouldn't ask like this. Like, he's, he's, he does, he,
0: he said, uh huh, yeah, I know he said something like, uh, like My Guru Maharaj saved me. and yeah. So it was taken like a sentiment like, We don't need anybody else. Uh, yes. Guru Maharaj saved me. Something like that. Yeah, uh, well, we have to ask Mukunda, but he obviously didn't want to supply it at the time to mm-hmm. Satsaroop Maharaj. Or Satsuru Marsh didn't want to supply it in, uh, in the Lilanrata. Very interesting. But it, it's obvious that when he was asked the question again, in 1977, he gave the answer. Mm-hmm. So, if it's actually mentioned there that he gave a name, then we can fill in the blank. I mean, a very, it was a very, very perfect fit. I mean if you were a disciple of Prabhupada and had a council of Sri it was it was really he understood Prabhupada, he had affection for Prabhupada, such appreciation for his mission, his movement, he saw himself as facilitating the disciples that they could fulfil his uh, their Gurdiv's mission and so forth. And both disciples of the same Guru was very, very perfect fit. Things would be very different if that world wouldn't have taken his advice, in my opinion. ISKCON would be the thriving, we'd all be in ISKCON, be a thriving mission at this time, all over the world, in every sense. And there would be still no need for other missions.